0: Recorded live. Hello, this is Mike. And it is nothing but the truth. And, uh, well, I went to church today and took my son. And, uh, found this book. Complimentary. Compliments of the McCord Road Christian Church. And, uh, I feel motivated. It's, I should read this. The book is entitled "Is Hell for Real or Does Everyone Go to Heaven?" Contributors are Timothy Keller, which I I admire him. Um, his brother in Christ, uh, R. Albert Moller Jr. Don't know much about. J. I. Packer, don't much about Robert W. Garro, which I believe he contributed to the book that I read about Job, Uh, the series Life is Unfair. Uh, The general editor is Christopher W. Morgan and Robert A. Peterson. Both outside and inside the church, this is in the back, back row. many people today are cr- increasingly uncomfortable with hell. They wonder, how could it be fair to punish anyone for eternity? Will Jesus really condemn millions simply, or billions, I would add, simply for not believing the right things about him? Isn't God a God of love and not vengeance? And as we learned from their study about Job, God is both. The top-notch contributors to Is Hell for Real or Does Everyone Go to Heaven? tackles these and other questions with an even-handed survey of the Bible's teaching on the difficult subject together They present a careful cause, or case, for upholding hell, showing that it remains central to the right understanding of God, the Gospel, humanity, and God's purpose for the world. Useful group discussion and individual study. Is hell for real, or does everyone go to heaven, provides an Accessible introduction to the historic Christian doctrine of hell. Christopher W. Morgan is a professor of theology and dean of the School of Christian Ministries at California Baptist University in Riverside, California. Author <clears throat> and editor of 10 books and teaching, Pastor at the Hellendale community church. He and his wife, Shelly, have been married for 20-something years in Hallandale, California. Robert A. Peterson is a professor of systematic theology at, uh, I think that's Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri, author and editor. Of course, St. Louis, been... as we've learned numerous times in the show, has been Called the uh, Vatican of the West.
1: And so a lot of false teaching has come out of St. Louis.
0: Mm-hmm. Author and editor of 20 books and pastor of the Country Bible Church in Bunker Hill, Illinois. He and his wife, Mary Pat, have been married for 38 years and live in. Baldwin Missouri and may God bless them all and uh, I'm not saying that I am endorsing this book one way or the other I just feel like God I struggle with this concept of hell too and quite frankly and uh, I'm not saying it's not true I'm just simply saying I struggle with it I fully comprehend the magnitude of heaven and hell but you know, if we believe the Word of God to be true, and then we must believe the words of our uh, the Messiah and Jesus Christ, that our Lord Savior, that what he said, and he talks more about hell than heaven,
1: from my understanding. And, um,. If the world
0: that we live in is nothing what they say, they being the men of this world, the false teachers of the Jesuit-controlled Freemasonic Russian higher education system, and control the media, and manipulate and control most of uh, the false Christianity that's out there, then maybe we ought to look into this. Preface. Popular media took note recently when one of the film's most recognized and celebrated stars passed away. As a successful actress since the age of three, Elizabeth Taylor had virtually defined Hollywood's golden age, embodying the image of beauty for generations of moviegoers. In later years, even though her many marriages became fodder for late-night talk show hosts, she became well-known for humanitarian work on behalf of HIV and AIDS victims. Sincere and saint convert of Judaism, Taylor likely never professed faith in Jesus Christ. Dare one ask, is she in hell now? Months later, the world's most notorious terrorist leader was killed by the US operas of our operatives in a server of Abbottabad, Abbot, Bad Pakistan. And of course, my whole journey of the truth and that this world is full of lies was when I finally realized when I witnessed, as many others did, the debacle and outright insult of the fantasy that they took up Osama bin Laden. The man that we were told for Ten years was the most wicked man in the world that was
1: responsible for the 9-11 incidents or quote-unquote terrorist attack, which obviously we now know that it's not the case, that others were involved very much closer to home, which now makes one wonder and this is the problem
0: what to value what to trust if these men maybe they're just so preoccupied in their mission of serving the Lord they just cannot recognize what is around them maybe they're afraid to actually speak up the truth because they're afraid that they won't be able to sell books and be ostracized by their peers Maybe they truly are blinded by reality. I do not know, and it's a great dilemma for me, is someone who has come by the mercy and merciful grace of God Almighty, a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who did come in the flesh and paid for our sins, his children, his elect, from the foundation of the world, he prayed for us, our mediator, our king of kings, our lord of lords,
1: the Messiah.
0: And when I hear brothers in Christ saying such absolute, utter garbage, is what I just read here, it challenges my faith in what they have to say. And I imagine it does for you too. And I guess part of this whole journey too is to learn how to allow others to be where they're at and forgive them for their their ways. I mean, let me rephrase it. I can't forgive anybody. The only person who can forgive anything is God. Only God can put His Spirit in me and only God can put the Spirit of love and forgiveness in me. And only God's mercy, only God's grace can in any way pour out a vile sinner like me. I have been a sinner since I can remember. I've been a vile person. And it's only by the mercy and grace of God that I even believe in him. I deserve not God's love and justice, but his all- Powerful, almighty wrath upon me. I deserve every disease and every woe and every hellish thing on this earth and to come for eternity, if I'm real honest about it. And, of course, the world has said, oh, you're just being normal. You're just being who you really are thanks a lot, world, for all your cruddy advice.
1: Good gracious so uh the dad. I never can
0: pronounce that Pakistan you know some of the lot of was had a little capture for nearly a decade. What a joke issuing periodic threats and sure he did. And the West, by tapes, leaked to the Middle East news outlets as if they didn't even have computers back then. As the founder of Al-Qaeda, his criminal's resume included numerous massive casualty attacks, including island lie, lie, lie. I don't even feel like saying it, but I'll read it anyways. Plane crashes into the Pentagon, which we know it didn't happen. It was bombs, although plane did fly overhead, and the World Trade Center, which is amazing that 19 bozos with box cutters could actually turn two buildings to dust. It's really amazing stuff. Reviled and revered a spokesman of the radical Islam, servant of this new world order, and the Freemasons... The Bin Laden's are severely linked to the Bushes and many of the power elite in this world. By the way, I added that. Likely never professed faith in Jesus. Is he in heaven now? Let me ask you something, too. Was Billy Graham in heaven? A uh, well known Freemason.
1: Is Pope Pope John Paul II in heaven. Can I go to heaven? Just because someone professes Jesus
0: Christ, do they know Jesus Christ? That's another question, a true question that must be honestly observed and analyzed and looked
1: at. In oneself. Asking
0: those questions about people's eternal destiny tends to make most people uncomfortable. Even more so, perhaps, when talking about those closer to home, a beloved relative or a former coworker or business associate, a longtime friend or family. As the opening chapter of this book will show looking too closely into someone's fate. After death is today considered tasteless at best, at worst it can be appeared hateful. A book entitled Who Goes There? A Cultural History of Heaven and Hell found that our culture's outlook on the afterlife has evolved to a point where most now assume that the majority of people end up in a place or state as eternal bliss. Only a very few the Pol Potts and Hitlers, child molesters and pyramid skiing architects like the New World Order and all the Luciferians that God is allowing to run this debased and Wicked society, world, are thought to be elsewhere. It comes to no surprise, then, that traditional Christian teaching of hell is under fire. The very idea of eternal conscious torment for those apart from God runs in opposition to make too much of what the modern world values. So, too, does the wrathful God in any talk of judgment. So, what are Christians to think? And I can tell you, if anything, hell, is anything like what my life was like prior to coming to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or then phrase that, him drawing me to him because I really didn't want to,
1: As the Bible says, none of us care to know God.
0: In truth, we love the darkness more than the light, and only by the mercy and grace of God did any of us even come to this realization that God even exists, the true and living
1: God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. During the months between the two deaths mentioned above,
0: a firestorm of controversy discussion erupted among the Evangelicals as the cover story in Time magazine were raised the question in bold font, What if there is no hell? has sparked a book by a well-known American pastor quoting hell, questioning hell, excuse me, <clears throat> but the underlying issue went far deeper than one controversial volume. Christians have been growing increasingly uncomfortable with hell for the past couple of centuries and in light of our culture's intense distaste for it. Believers are forced to at least consider dropping the doctrine. What our public witness and our faithfulness to the guide of love, be better off without hell. The, taste, the task of this book is to answer the question featuring the con- contributions of several trusted sp- pastors and theologians. It looks at the history of hell, the biblical teachings on it, and the implications of disposing with it Fair disclosure, though, contributors conclude that the Church's historic teaching on hell must be maintained. What is lost by dispensing with hell, they find, is not just inferior to what is gained in the court of public opinion, it is also central to the right understanding of God, the Gospel, humanity, and the purpose of life. As much the publisher's hope is that this book will provide readers with a simple, brief, and biblical explanation in defense of hell. not only individuals, readers, but groups as well might find it helpful introduction to read, study, and discuss. The book covers the key issues under discussion in a straightforward forward way as follows. Chapter 1, President R. Albert Muller surveys the history of the doctrine of the Western thought, showing why it has fallen from the prominent place it once held in the belief and imagination of God's people. And I'm sure he's going to miss it big time, but that's okay. Chapter 2, New Testament professor Robert W. Yarbrough looks closely at what Jesus had to say about hell, finding that he spoke of it more often and with more severity than many other Christians realize. Chapter three, theologian and author Christopher W. Morgan examines every teaching on hell in the New Testament, pulling out three aspects most emphasized by the biblical writers. Chapter 4, Theology Professor Robert A. Peterson highlights the connection between hell and the three key biblical themes. Uh, Chapter 5, Amorous Theologian J.I. Packer takes a direct and piercing look at universalism. That is the teaching that everyone will eventually end up in heaven. He finds it wanting, suffering from poor biblical interpretation, and internal inconsistencies. And I know several of my brothers in Christ who
1: are at this stage, they're thinking, that
0: have ministries on the internet and uh, and major cities throughout this country. I know it's a hard teaching for anybody, including myself, to accept. I think it's only the mercy and grace of God that will get one to even accept hell, let alone what their world here looks like, what the world life eternal way be like. And you know, the fact of the matter is, everyone talks about there's a strong delusion. It's a coming. I'm sorry, folks. It's been here for a very long time. I would have to say at this point that 99.9% are under a strong delusion. That 0.01% that God has opened their eyes. Well, what a lonely journey it is. And I'm sure God has not even revealed fully to them. So, who isn't under a strong delusion? We all like to think we're not. We all like to think that we're the exception to the rule but i'm coming to realize that none of us are zero no matter what light oh my gosh I free my son right no no of whatever what light god has shed upon us what how much god has opened our eyes we still don't even
1: have what
0: of the whole story. But God did generously give us the meaning
1: of the story and the um, purpose of the story. The eventual outcome are the two paths that this fallen world good of may take, and only by the mercy and grace of God
0: can we take His path in any kind of direction. All praise and glory go to our heavenly Father. Tada! Speak of hell. Okay, finally, appendix from Manhattan Pastor. Timothy Keller provides suggestions for talking about hell amidst a tolerance-loving <laughs> culture. Which means we don't tolerate Christ, but we do tolerate anything else. But not Jesus Christ. Please do not talk about Jesus Christ. You talk about anything else, but don't talk about God. The real God. Because, quite frankly, what we're going to read about To speak of hell is precarious, but not to speak of hell is more precarious, concludes the book's general editor. Quote, we owe it to fellow sinners to tell them an unabridged story of God's love and forgiveness and don't forget his judgment and his wrath. Well, God is God. He's sovereign. He's not some little teddy bear that you can hug. He's not some genie in a bottle. He is God. He is the potter and we are the clay and he can do anything. He chooses. What a realization that is. That we really are absolutely... Dependent upon his mercy,
1: his loving kindness, and it's a reality that most of us just don't want to face. We'll believe anything else.
0: We'll pay attention to all sorts of other things,
1: but reality, oh my goodness, how frightening it actually is.
0: That way they too can better understand their desperate need for forgiveness and experience the joy found only in knowing Christ. Amen. May it be so, and may this book be a ready source for readers looking for the biblical answers to the questions about hell. And that was uh, Paul... E. Engel, I guess. Chapter 1 is Hell for Real by, this uh, is written, uh, R. Albert Moeller Jr. <clears throat> On the whole, the disappearance of hell was, gr- was a great relief, though it brought new problems. David Lodge, Souls and Bodies. The rejection of Christianity's historic teaching of hell. Has come swiftly in our culture. It is now routinely dismissed as an embarrassing artifact from an ancient age, a reminder of Christianity's outdated
1: worldview. And if one would actually look even a little closer into history and all that and how
0: the Luciferian satanic. B system that's been around for thousands of years took advantage of the reality of hell to exploit,
1: including the false church that's been there all along and it's brick and mortar. Edifices
0: not to the true living God, but to themselves into something else besides God. Yet the disappearance of hell within the church's walls, at least in some circles, presents a kind of mystery. How did such a central doctrine come to suffer widespread abandonment among some Christians? The answer lies in the history of Christianity in the modern world it warns the further possible compromises on the horizon. For as the church has often been remembered, no doctrine stands alone. Take away, take away hell, and the entire shape of the Christian theology may be, or in reality is, altered. Hell from the modern world excuse me, hell before the modern world. the church developed its teaching of hell during its very first century, based on New Testament passages about eternal judgment in the afterlife. By the way, if hell is not real,
1: then Christianity does crumble before our eyes. and those who water it
0: down are actually watering down Christ's own words and basically and real reali- realistically scratch basically realistically are calling
1: God Almighty a liar <clears throat> Based on the New Testament passages about the eternal judgment and
0: the afterlife, early preachers taught that hell was God's just judgment on sinners who did not put their faith in Christ. It was seen as real and eternal, characterized by fire and torment. The first major challenge to this view came from a theologian named Origen. Who taught that everyone and everything would ultimately be reconciled to God, and by the way, if you really think that through what a very vague statement that is isn't possible is it possible just a suggestion on my part that hell is part of the reconcil- being reconciled with God and his justice. God maybe demons are even worse than hell, I don't know. What a vague statement that is. And everything would ultimately be reconciled with God. He reasoned that God's victory could only be complete when nothing was left unredeemed. And hell would not be eternal, punitive but rather temporary and purifying. Where in the world did he find that in the Word of God? Origen's teachings were rejected by a church council held in Constantinople in AD 553. However, the church's consensus on hell continued to be widely held for another thousand years. Rejection of hell during these years were limited to to sects and heretics. Indeed, hell was such a fixture of the Christian mind that most persons understood all of life in terms of their ultimate destinations. Men and women longed for heaven and feared hell. The stark contrast between our modern distaste for hell and the pre-modern fascination with hell is evident in our sermons. The medieval Italian preacher warned, excuse me, a medieval Italian preacher warned his congregation against hell in this way. Fire, fire, that is the recompense for your perversity, your hardened sinners. Fire, fire, the fire of hell. Fire in your eyes. Fire in your mouth. Fire in your guts. Fire in your throat. Fire in your nostrils. Fire inside and fire outside. Fire beneath and fire above. Fire in every part. Ah, miserable folk. You will be like rags burning in the middle of this fire. Now the real dilemma and problem in all this is thinking about through is how organized religion used that to beat down the laity the masses. They didn't teach them the whole story either did they as the separation of the priestcraft from the laity was established was not something of Christ, but of man, and ultimately, I argued, Lucifer, Satan himself, got involved in all this. Jonathan Edwards, Colonial Americans, America's Great Theologian, and preachers spoke similarly, and apparently Jonathan Edwards has been a heavy influence on a lot of folks in the seminaries of today. And because I, I need a just more reading of Jonathan Edwards, uh, consider that if once you get into hell, you never get out. If you should unexpectedly, one of these days, drop. And there, there would be no remedy. They that go, they return no more. Consider how dreadful it will be to suffer such an extremity of forever. It is dreadful beyond comprehension to suffer in half an hour. Oh, the misery, the tribulation, the anguish that is to endure. Few congregations would hear such a warning today. A preacher who spoke so graphically about hell might be considered eccentric or worse. This change in churches' sermons and the sensibilities underlying them began during the periods of the Western history the historians call the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. Questions about hell. By the way, through the Prussian education system that we are all under, the Romanized Prussian uh, education system, and the heavy indoctrination from the public school system, from television, from all the many blasphemous messages out there, most of us have lost all any sense of reality. And I guess we should be empathetic and compassionate towards all of us. who might not quite see some of the truth that God has revealed to us. For this delusion that's upon us, all is a strong delusion. It's not just one group. It's not just something in the future. It is here and now. And that strong delusion has been around... Oh, what a... counter-defense, what a... counter... the, the part aspects of the counter-reformation, the... the counter-attack that Satan has... exposed to us, the world, in the past 500 years. As the Counter Reformation was dealing with the Reformation and God's children being freed from His Word, all of a sudden it's the heliocentric model. Helios, which is Apollyon, which is Apollo, which is Satan, even in the word heliocentric model is Satan centered model. And it's not simple coincidence or some silliness about guilt by association. You would be very naive and foolish to think that they named it for any other reason but to their God. This is the reality. This is the brutal reality that we all live under. The effect of a strong delusion has infected us all. All of us. Questions about hell. During the 17th century, even as Europe continued to be a largely Christian continent, various streams of atheism and skepticism emerged. And this is the the socialism. For instance, taught that Jesus was not fully God and that his death was not needed for the forgiveness of sins for blasphemy. They also questioned the, the, eternal, the eternality of punishment in hell, teaching instead that the wicked would be destroyed in hell. A view that has come to be known as
1: Annihilationism, the Annihilists, the Nihilists. Doesn't Albert Pike talk about that in his
0: letter to Messini and the Third World War that they have started since with the 9-11 incident? Nihilist. Annihilationism. Could there be an association some way? Most likely there is. Eternal torment was an unjust penalty for a short human lifetime of sin they reasoned. And of course, as I've said and if you've read, and as God's word has said, more importantly... Let God be true in every man. A flat-out, bold-faced, stinking liar. Of course, I added to that. Of course, that's probably a sin right there to add and take word, words. But who could argue what I just said? A flat-out, bold-faced, stinking liar. If we're honest about things, without the merciful grace of God in His Spirit, Even dwells just a little bit to wake us up, the comforter, to help us to see the way, the truth, and the light. Aren't we just a flat-out, bold-faced, stinking liar only about themselves? And willing to say just about anything and find many a reason to justify it to get ahead in this fallen world. It is the way it is, folks. I cannot believe that I'm the only one that was that way. Of course, that's a silly statement to say. Okay, uh, the eternal torment was an unjust penalty for a short human lifetime of sins. They reasoned. Groups like the Socinians—I had not say that right—Socinians were far far enough outside the mainstream to have little influence on the larger church, however, their thinking resonated with the educated elite educated through the jesuit controlled dominated Prussian higher education system. It discontaminated us all. many came to doubt hell's existence even if they felt it was a useful teaching to maintain social order. You know, I know people with one and two, some well, at least two, those PhDs, and they're almost blind to the blind. Honestly, and they're not being just a jerk, judgmenting, judge, being judgmental towards them. Honestly, they really are. They believe so much of the lies.
1: They've become blockheads, the walking dead this is amazing
0: the more you know and you're talking to uh, this is a guy that went to college and university and blah blah blah, and the higher the education the more degree you get, the more delusional you get, and the more compliance you are to the beast system isn't that really what it's all about in the end of the day why do you think they in debt put so many of uh, the youth the young minds through such foolishness and then in the end oh by the way here's the bill you're going to pay it off the rest of your life And you're going to do just about anything to make sure that you can pay that burdensome debt off.
1: When I was in the environmental science field,
0: I was around men with PhDs, women with PhDs, with all sorts of degrees, masters, etc., And they would do just about anything. Our job, in the end of the day, was to really honestly pretend that something was getting done so the polluters of this world could keep on polluting.
1: It was a scam.
0: And we knew it. Nothing ever really got done. Except that the owners of the company that I work for got rich, and their and well the owner and his associates and those men who knew so much about so little
1: and science were desperately trying to
0: put a roof over their families' heads and food in their mouths and were willing to do just about anything, like punching numbers into a computer, making it all look like something was more than it actually was. I was a liar, they were a liar, or all were liars. Oh, we might have understood organic chemistry, etc. Maybe some of them were really good at physics. Maybe they were really good at things like marine biology, or etc. I knew a lot, but yet nothing of any great value to the bee system, to the men that ruled them. I knew people with PhDs in marine biology, working in, of all places, Toledo, Ohio, punching in information, numbers, and regurgitating what somebody
1: else told them for a paycheck. Not only that, but even
0: before I even had my associate's degree, which, by the way, I never even got, to be honest with you. I have a so close one class from my associate's degree Five classes for my bachelor's degree. I saw the great hypocrisy, so I went on my own way to do something else, which I talked about in the show, which turned out to be a very eye-opening experience of this world. But the fact of the matter is, and by the mercy and grace of God, I've not been under the burden of paying off
1: the debt with a ticket to ride the bus on this B-system for quite a while now. But the reason why I did
0: not finish is because I witnessed, with my own eyes, day-to-day basis for a year, the grand hypocrisy and the desperation that these people were under you realize, you might not believe this, and I don't blame you if you don't, but I didn't have a degree, and I was working with people with PhDs, and we only making a couple bucks, three, four bucks,
1: more an hour. What a wicked system we are under. What a wicked,
0: evil, heartless, demonic system we're under. Who? can possibly say that you are not suffering in any way a strong delusion. If you're honest, you can't. As D.P. Walker had written in The Decline of Hell, people who had doubts about the, eternal, the eternity of hell and who had come to disbelieve in it Refrain from publishing their doubts, not only because of the personal risk involved, wow, how things have been reversed, how things have flipped, but also because of genuine moral scruples. And the 17th century disbelief in eternal torment seldom reached the level of a firm conviction, but the most was a conjecture, which one might wish to be true. It it was, therefore, understandable that one should hesitate to plunge the world into moral anarchy for the sake of only conjectural truth. In the 18th century, Englishmen's skepticism, excuse me, That's not Englishman. Enlightenment skepticism took, well, you could could throw Englishman in there, uh, took center stage. Philosophers began arguing that hell should be viewed metaphorically, not literally, and that we revolve around the sun. And there's planets out there.
1: And that we ought to listen to the scientists more than to the word of God. Alternately, Thomas Hobbes
0: suggested in Leviathan that hell might be eternal, but the torments of the unsaved were not. Another version of the Socinianism, I didn't say it right, Socinian's annihilationism, Voltaire and the other atheistic philosopher rejected Christianity entirely. A crisis of faith. This stirring against Christian doctrine remained largely outside of the church. However, until the Victorian era, a period of time in the 19th century, often sentimentalized for its Christian (laughs) vitality which is flat-out ridiculous, more propaganda. Isn't it interesting that we as Americans, we as North Americans, are probably the only people in the world to believe we cannot be propagandized? That the leadership, the rulers of our quote-unquote country, the
1: corporation that we live in, would not lie to us about anything. Christianity was part of the very fabric of the expanding British Empire.
0: Uh, Queen Victoria of England was an emblem of Christian devotion. Attendance at churches, both rural and urban, reached an all-time high, with the great churches such as with great churches such as Charles
1: Spurgeon's uh, Metropolum Tapper. There, Met Metro, but I,
0: uh, I can't say it. A tabernacle. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, drawing thousands. That traditional doctrines were not shared by all Victorians. Indeed, during the famous sermon of, of Oxford University in 1833, John Keble lam, uh, lamented the error era was a discouraged epoch where the faith is completely dead or dying. And there was a great war going on too. Uh the Counter Reformation and uh the Jesuits heavy influence in England. Of course by eighteen thirty three the Jesuits had taken over the papacy too. And most of higher education, and we can go on with that how you want what direction you want to take it. I don't know, but it's three important things just move on discouraged epic where the faith is completely dead or dying, though many Britons of the nineteenth century maintain a robust robust faith historian jeroslav Pelotkin has written that the age also produced radical doubt and the negation of dogma.
1: Sounds like a couple of Freemasonic BS lines. Sorry for my language. But it sounds exactly like something that social programmers are. which you might hear in Hollywood today,
0: or in the universities of today. I'm sure they have all classes about it. There's probably degrees about it now. Eh. Eh, it just might be me being cynical, but I would not doubt it. Among many Victorians, hell became something of an obsession a rejection of the church's traditional view. Why does it have to be the church's traditional view? What about God's view? Who cares what the quote-unquote church's traditional view is? What is God's view? Do you not see the manipulation of language here? Who cares about quote-unquote the brick-and-mortar church's traditional view? Only the church does and its power, and its exploitation of others. That's what was going on with the traditional church's view.
1: Sorry, but I'm more interested in God's view. That's it.
0: Have you extended throughout the leaders of society, including statements like, the high churchman Prime Minister William Gladstone, who asserted that hell had been relegated to a far off corner to the far off corners of the Christian mind, and this is true. It's flat out the way it is. I have been slowly being convicted of the desperate situation that I'm actually in. And if I'm in it, You're in it, and that's the way it is,
1: and that's not much an honest man can say, except that we are in a precarious situation a very precarious situation.
0: There, too, sleep in the deep shadows as a thing needless. In our enlightened and progressive age. Uh. The story of Leslie Season, the father of the, the novelist Virginia Woolf, <coughs> captures well the spirit of the age. An ordained clergyman and the Church of England
1: which is simply part of the beast
0: system anyways. Stephen lost his faith, renounced his ordination, and became a man of learning in various strains of philosophy and undermined the foundation of the Christian conviction for him and I'm sure led him nowhere. This I am absolutely certain. And he came to see Victorian Christianity uh, as hypothetical, hypocritical, excuse me. The average Cambridge Don on my day was, as I thought and think, a sensible and honest man who wished to be both rational and
1: Christian. <laughs> Rational and Christian. Oh, gosh.
0: He was rational enough to see that the old Orthodox position was untenable. But he did not believe in hell or in the verbal inspiration of Scripture. He thought that the controversies on such matters were silly anadequate an an adequate excuse me and spoke of them with indifference. If not with contempt, but he also thought that religious belief of some kind was necessary or valuable and
1: considered himself to be a genuine believer. <laughs> oh gosh. Other uh, literary figures such as Stephen's
0: Rejection of Hell considered Lewis Carroll, for instance, famous author of Alice in Wonderland, Warren Charles Lutwig Dodgson. Carroll was a pen name. He was the son of an Anglican minister. Imagine that. Though in other respects a faithful Anglican not just what one biographer called a instinctive repugnance for the doctrine of everlasting punishment. And we all do. Who wants to believe in it?
1: Honestly. Nobody wants to believe this. Why don't we really want to believe it? Why? Because
0: of the indoctrination that I've gone under for 48 and a half years. The lack of proper understanding and teaching of what hell is. In fact, as a kid growing up and even going on a Mormon mission, hell was never really talked about that much. And there, little ref- Mason derived Freemasonic scheme. Well, you could go to celestial king, the, the terrestrial king, or the
1: terrestrial king,
0: and you get married in the temple. And you're a good type there, in the Mormon Church, and you're a, a bishop, and you're an active member, and you end up becoming a quorum of the Seventy, maybe even a, a I don't know a apostle, one of the twelve, or even a prophet? Oh, you've got a mighty place in the celestial kingdom where you and your lovely spouse will spend the eternity procreating and popping up babies like God's doing right now. That's what they told me.
1: And that Jesus and Satan are brothers. And that very little was actually talked about hell. Of course, if
0: they actually taught the full teachings of Jesus Christ, the cult of Mormonism and the false, deceptive name of the Church of Jesus Christ the Latter Day Saints could never be. So it was very absolutely important the necessity to to minimize the amount of time actually in the New Testament. Because if you did actually spend some time in there, as much time as you did or be encouraged to read the Book of Mormon, which is an absolute fabrication full of plagiarism and fantasy and talk about Alice in Wonderland, where there's not one bit of archaeological evidence to support any of it, and that would be so because the men that created that atrocity called the Book of
1: Mormon conjured it all up. Conjured it all up. I want to tell you something. This must be
0: sunken. A man or woman come to you with great smile. A warm smile. It may influence you. they are good, good people. Maybe we're to really take it seriously, what Christ said, that none is good. None but one. God, can't trust a smile, can't trust what I say, you can't trust what anybody says, you do not blindly follow anybody, please, except, I wouldn't even say, you know, if I'm God. I would say, submit to oneself humbly to God and ask Him to lead you in all truth and Darn, if humility isn't a long time in coming. And learning is even longer. And there's a lot of time and energy involved to re-educate
1: you. To be taught some of the simple truths of life. What a mess we're all in. All of us are in a great wicked, and delusional. And Alice in Wonderland. Boy, those
0: Luciferians and Satanists love reading it and playing it, doing their drugs with it, doing their spells with it. Isn't it interesting so many of the men of the practitioners of the dark side Ed Eglin
1: parents, or Catholic parents, or Mormon parents. Could it be that this state run
0: organized religion is designed to do as the Bible says and make you seven times more demonic than? you would be if you'd never even been around it. A simple question that I'm asking you, I am not saying it's absolute, but it certainly looks
1: like it could be. Influenced by new
0: critical views of Scripture, and that's the reason why none of us even can believe it anymore thanks to all these morons and these demon-possessed people like Dodgson, declared that if the Bible really taught the doctrine of everlasting punishment, I would give up the Bible. After his death, Dodgson left behind an unpublished manuscript entitled Eternal Punishment, in which he presented what he thought was the airtight logical case against hell. Thank goodness for men and their logic. My goodness, what would we do without them?
1: We actually might be living in reality for once. Thanks for all your logic.
0: Thanks for nothing. Thanks for the emptiness, the lostness, the lost feeling, the loss of contact with our creator. Thanks, buddies. Thank you, PhD. Puffed up brat. who will be willing to kill me in a heartbeat and lie to me for a paycheck with a smile on your face. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for wasting precious years of my life
1: lying to me as you presented that globe, that ball, that magic crystal ball, and all the
0: flat-out stinking lies to make you feel good about yourself
1: at the expense of my Eternal soul. If anyone believes for a second
0: that the root of all evil is the love of is that this, what we hear in the Bible is not true, that the root of all evil is the love of money, think again. And if you're one of those pe- persons that's That the money, the paycheck, is more important
1: than the the way, the truth, and the life? What are you going to get? A box? A bigger box? A big box that you can live in. And you can put your
0: children in boxes called bedrooms and send them to another box called the public school center, or a private school. Hey, maybe a Jesuit One school so they could be in another box, a box within a box. Hey, you, you drive from
1: box to box. Really think what I'm saying here, folks. Because we reject God and are
0: incapable of even loving God and wanting God, we are all under a strong delusion. We're given under... We're given up to our reprobate minds to do whatever we lustfully need to do in order to feel happy, to feel good. It leads to drugs fornication, adultery, uh, magical vacations
1: where we just check out from the box to box to box that we live in.
0: If you haven't figured it out, most of us are living in an enslaved, flat-out, deceptive, meaningless, hellish
1: existence. And we brought it on ourselves. Because we never gave God a chance. But how could we? Without the mercy and grace of God, how could any of us come to Him? This is going to be a very thought-provoking book, and uh, I think
0: I'll check out now. From here, I think I'll just stop at page 15, and and it's not a very long book,
1: but it's it's a thought-provoking book. Maybe we ought to ask ourselves,
0: I'll ask myself, and I'll tell on myself, I do, check. I question how. But now that I see the moon in a different light, and this world in a different light, I think that moon, and why it looks the way it looks, is to remind us of absolutely how sovereign God is, and how
1: His justice will be played out. And I... For one,
0: I'm going to beg for mercy, God. And I don't deserve it. I deserve your wrath. I deserve hell. I deserve punishment. I There's nothing at all. I don't even deserve to know you, God. Almighty God, I don't even have a right to know you. Oh, blessed are you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you even
1: have given us just an inkling, just a bit, just a little bit of
0: hope and faith in Jesus, how that grows as it mustard seed into a a great tree. The tree of life
1: of promise of real meaning. True meeting. Stop and rest in Christ. Slow down in your
0: rat race from box to box, from cage to cage. And remember you're more than some
1: bipedal animal. You're more. God made you from the dust. See, He spoke everything to existence,
0: but you personally and I, he made you
1: from the dust, the potter, and the clay.
0: And he personally breathed, breathed life into you. Not the doctor who will swat you on the back
1: and cut you out of your mama's belly. God breathed life into you. That means you're really,
0: really special in God's eyes.
1: It also means you have great meaning and great purpose. Do you want God's? Do you want to be a son of God or a daughter or a son of man? you want to be an animal or a beast or a son of God? I have no idea. The only reason I want to know God
0: is because of his mercy and his grace. I'm no better than any other person. Not even close. And yet God has motivated me to do this, and I have no idea. God has motivated me to go back to this thing, this
1: religion of not drinking called Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know what he has in store.
0: But I pray God that you'll give me the strength and the courage, your strength and courage, to speak the truth about Jesus Christ. Moderated me yesterday and oh boy, that the demon possessed ones, those that don't really believe in God, all sick in the head. Got really upset even mentioning God.
1: And now they want me to give a lead. But God wants me to give a lead, and I pray that you pray
0: for me that I have the courage to speak the name of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. And I ask you, God, to give me that strength. God, you know I am not interested in AA. I know the influence of Aleister Crowley
1: and of sorcery and witchcraft in the Jesuit spiritual formation. But even in
0: that, there's still the mention of you, God, but they didn't have the courage. And they put their faith in Rockefellers, the Luciferians of their day, in order to publish their big book, their Bible,
1: for the hopes to help the still sick and suffering? Why should we care if we offend the atheists?
0: Why should we care if we offend the Satanists or Luciferians? Why should we care
1: if we offend the humanists? Why should we care at all? Why do we care what the world thinks about us?
0: It's all a bunch of lies anyways, God, except for you and Jesus Christ. The only truth I've ever found in 48 years, 48 and a half years, is for Jesus Christ. And that's it. And everything else is just a flat out freaking lie.
1: It is. It's It's an a- absolute lie.